Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and joining me is a man who some say shares an obsession for pastel lilac clothing with Zinedine Zidane, it's Lewis. Okay. <laughs> I was definitely not expecting that. <laughs> for people that haven't seen the picture, when this goes out, I will post it on our <laughs> story because it's an incredible picture. The, the tracksuit, the sofa, the cushions, and the book he's reading are all like <laughs> pastel lilac colours. Jesus Christ. Anyways, as as Billy said, we have a nice little host of topics for you today. Um, And it's a little bit Bundesliga heavy. I'll give you guys that. But we'll look at the top four race in the Bundesliga as well as the title race because we had some developments this past match day. Then we'll also have a look at the relegation battle as that also took a surprising turn, I think, for many. Then we'll swing over to the Premier League, where we'll have a look at a development in the top four there as well. And yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much all there is to talk about at this point, isn't it? It's literally just top four and relegation battles because titles are already decided anyway. But we also, because we got a couple of questions from some of our esteemed listeners about what the hell the 50 plus one rule actually is. And seeing as our whole podcast is named after it, we thought we'd oblige you guys and have a real in-depth look at the 50 plus one rule. But without further ado, let's jump straight into the title race in the Bundesliga, which I know some of you guys are going to be like, eh, well, who cares? That's Bayern anyway. But, you know, this week or this past weekend, Bayern may or may not have completely dropped the match ball because all they had to do was win against Mainz, who were in the thick of the relegation battle. No one was going to say that Mainz had the hope for three points. But then a nice little 2-1 popped out of it. I'll use the words that you sent to me. It's a shit show playing as if they've already won the title. Yeah, I still stand by that. I mean, it was just... They just didn't switch on. Freaking third minute, that was a savable shot. Sorry, but I, I think Roman Weidenfeller says it in best in the uh, Sport 1 Doppelpass talk show. He says, if that shot comes at Neuer in a Champions League final, he makes that save every day of the week. But it was just the fact of, you know, the, he Weidenfeller goes on to say, you know, Bayern aren't machines. You know, the players aren't machines. They're going to have a lapse in concentration. And especially at this point in the season where, you know, there were 10 points ahead of Leipzig with four games to play. A lapse in concentration isn't unheard of, but I'd also argue that it should be with a team that is as professional as that Bayern team, it shouldn't be happening. 
I don't, I can't understand. I mean, yeah, okay, Mike's uh, could be classed as the inform team at the moment. Seven games unbeaten now. And Bo Svensson's done a really good job. But I think, come on, some of the players that Bayern had out there. Uh, Leroy Zane, Kingsley Coman, Leon Goretzka was back, and so was Robert Lewandowski. I mean, he he scored in the 94th minute, but you said to me that he had three or four golden opportunities. Uh, actually, I mean, he didn't have three or four. He had one perfect opportunity where he had literally like a five-meter radius around him of space at the edge of the box where you'd be thinking Lewandowski in that type of space at the edge of the box he probably scores that nine times out of 10 and he just skies it. But I guess that's what you get from a four week injury and four week spell uh, on the sidelines because his first half stats were depressing 20 touches on the ball and one shot that wasn't even on target. Yeah. I I think this is, this is going to sound stupid. It might sound stupid to you, but I will back myself up. This is probably a good thing for the Bundesliga in general. And and it's not just because I want to heap, you know, I, oh, I get off on buying losing. It's not that. It's funny, but it's not that. <laughs> it's because, you know, people, that's the biggest criticism of German football is it's so one-sided. It's such a one-team league. Yeah, yeah. And... It was also criticism of the of the European Super League as well that you wouldn't get a Mainz beating a Bayern, you wouldn't get yeah. a Leeds beating a, a United or or a City like they did the other week, and it's just made things a little bit more interesting. I mean, seven points still. I mean, you'll probably win it next week anyway. Yeah, but you know, it's just that that little hope. It's or maybe it's not quite dead and buried yet. Probably a case yeah. of lack of match fitness, like you said, for Lewandowski. But I think the real exciting aspect of the Bundesliga comes from third, fourth, fifth, and maybe sixth place, actually. The, the race for Champions League. Beautiful segue into our next round of topics, that, which is the top four race. And we had a couple of battles right here because, as you said, the set, the third place played fifth with... Wolfsburg versus Borussia Dortmund and fourth place played sixth in Frankfurt versus Leverkusen. So you basically had from third to sixth all battling each other and making up vital points or in some teams cases, losing vital points. Um, But I think we have to take a look at what happened in the, in the Wolfsburg, the Wolfsburg match against Dortmund the the main topic was as we already posted on our socials, Highland. Just he is the difference maker for Dortmund and has been all season, and he's kind of you know gotten himself out of that little dip in form. So I don't think really there's anything much of note there. But I think we have to look at Frankfurt because ever since Adi has made his decision public to coach Borussia Mönchengladbach next season, things haven't been going too well for Frankfurt. In the last three matches since, they've conceded seven goals and only scored three. It's a shame as well because it would it would be a massive shame if they were to miss out on Champions League football for the first time ever. 
just oh, because yeah. of some tone deaf thinking from well the manager the board whoever to, to yeah. allow him to go yeah i'm going to be coaching someone else next season because you know i having played professional football at no level at all <laughs> but i can imagine it's kind of like well screw you yeah i mean there are probably a few players in that Frankfurt dressing room who didn't understand the reasoning behind, you know, that move. I mean, obviously Hütter has his reasons, but in all honesty, I think 90% of football fans out there will agree with me and say that that was the dumbest move ever because Frankfurt, there's a project there. If they, if, if you are able to retain the manager, hopefully retain a couple of your star players and not sell out, every single star player you have, like they did a few seasons ago, then there's a potential to actually stay in that third spot, basically become one of the, you know, basically try and become a big six club, so to speak, and try and form a big six in Germany, as it is the case in the Premier League. But now, you know, why is he moving from a team he has coached into Champions League and, as, and is going to be playing at the topmost international level for club football. And he's leaving that to go manage a team who aren't even anywhere near European football next season. I, I don't know. It's, it's got to be money-based. It has to be financially. Oh, has to be. There's no other reasoning. Because you look at that team for Gladbach and you look at the team for Frankfurt probably other than the goalkeeper Jan Zoma mm. and potentially Ginter. yeah potentially Ginter or even Elvedi yeah probably going to stick with most of that Frankfurt side I'd, I'd argue even that Kevin Trapp is better than Jan Zoma, to be honest with you. I think the consistency of Jan Zoma. I mean, Kevin Trapp's been... He was at PSG for a while, wasn't he? Yeah. Did well, ignore the fact that he was... PSG. Well, he did. He was the goalkeeper for that dramatic 6-1 smackdown in the new Camp. Oh, when they turned yeah. around to 4-0. <laughs> and then he was replaced by an old man when they signed Juan Luigi Buffon. Uh, he was actually replaced by Kalon Navas when he came around. So. Oh, that's it. Just undermined me twice. I'm I sorry. I don't care I about mi- French football. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a reason we don't we don't include uh, French football on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think Frankfurt have a better side, just in general. Probably do. Because even even with yeah even with Matthias Ginter, I'd say Martin Hintiger. You know, you tell me Nico Evidi, I'd tell you Kevin Dika. Like, exactly. sorry, but nah. You, you can't you can't compare Philip Kostic, uh, Andre Silva, and even Jovic. Exactly, you can't compare them to Turam player and. Would it be Jonas Hoffman? Probably. Brilliant Bolo, maybe. But exactly. even he's he's too inconsistent because he's always injured. Yeah, he's very hit and miss, that player. So I think I can't understand it. 
And if you look at the running that Frankfurt have, they've got Mainz, which, okay, yeah, they're, the, they're an informed team at the moment. And they've also mm. got Schalke and Freiburg. Freiburg so can always, yeah. That's, that's probably six points out of that last three. Arguably, yes. And then you look at Dortmund, who are now only one point behind them. Yeah. Dortmund have come to life too late because their last three is RB Leipzig, Mainz, again, the informed team in the Bundesliga, and Bayer Leverkusen, who could potentially leapfrog them. Yeah, that's not good. That is no, as in, Ger- in Germany, we would say that's kein Kindergeburtstag. That's no kid's birthday party. <laughs> so, you know, you'd like to think Leipzig would beat Dortmund, but you never know. Uh, yeah, if Leipzig are saying, you know, we've comfortably got second place in the bag. Or we've comfortably got, I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter if you get top four or if you're second, third or fourth. As long as you get top four and you're not winning the league, it doesn't really matter which spot you land on. Say for maybe a couple of difference, a couple of millions in difference when it comes to TV rights. But even there, the the difference is probably not more than one, two million. Well, there we go. It'll be interesting to see. Should we take a look at the lower end of that table? Oh, yes, please. Because uh, if, if we're being honest, anyone from 12th to 17th could end up in that relegate in those relegation spots. Anyone. Yeah. Even if mine's are the informed team. Yeah, but I think it's it's naive to look at that and go, Hertha Berlin are going to get relegated. They've got oh, no. three games in hand because they were cancelled because of a COVID outbreak. Yeah. So arguably, yeah, arguably Hertha Berlin probably, if they didn't have those games cancelled, would be sitting somewhere around 13th or 12th. You reckon that high? Well, think about it. There's only four points difference between Köln and... um and Mainz and Berlin might only have 26 points, but those seven points I'd argue definitely doable because lo- looking at their last games, you know, they've got it's Hertha versus Mainz, then Freiburg, then Bielefeld, then Schalke, then Köln, and then Hoffenheim. It's only Hertha Berlin are only playing teams from 11th to 17th. They've got only direct rivals in that relegation fight. Some massive games for them coming up. Oh yeah, they they need a strong finish because today it was well, it, it's been the case for a long time, and it was mathematically impossible for them to overtake Union Berlin, which is the first time Union have ever finished above Hertha Berlin. That's that's a massive. If I'm being honest, that's massive, especially because Union Berlin still have a very good chance of getting uh, seventh place, which I'm right now not sure if the Bundesliga gets seventh place as Europa League uh, qualifying or if they get sixth. I think it's sixth is the qualifying. Fifth is automatic. Sixth Fifth is... is automatic. Sixth is qualifying because last, but last season that was only down to the fact that Bayern won the Champions League. So they got, so it was seventh place got qualifying. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Union and Gladbach are both four points off of Leverkusen, who are in sixth place in that crucial Europa League qualification round. I'm not going to say it's not possible, but it does look 
a little bit unlikely. But then again, how great would that be if you had Union Berlin going to the Europa League qualifiers? I think they thoroughly deserve it as well. Oh, yeah. Because Gladbach just haven't been at it this season. And I think... Oh, God, no. It's going to sound really horrible to any fans of Gladbach that, that listen. But to reward them for this season with any kind of European football is is wrong because they just haven't deserved it. It'd be doing a disservice to uh, to Leverkusen's season and also to Union Berlin season. I'd say more so to Union Berlin season because if we're being honest, Leverkusen also they were first before Christmas and then they just kind of gone downhill since. But, you know, I think for Gladbach to finish above Union Berlin would definitely be unfair. So, yeah, I, I mean, I hope that Union Berlin overtakes Gladbach and Leverkusen outright and makes sixth place. That would be unreal. It would, it would be really good to see them, even if it was just in qualifying. Oh, yeah. Just for them to get that Europa League badge on their shirts, they'd be sick. Yeah, for someone like Union Berlin, it's something that doesn't come around that often. I think it would be quite good for fans because you'd think fans would be allowed back in ne- next season. You say that, well, maybe but then again, Germany. I was about to say, Germany's just entered the third wave because this government can't seem to get a solid vaccination program out there. But, you know, this isn't a political show, so I'll leave that. Well, from one country that can't vaccinate its people, let's move to a country that can. Actually, though. And let's talk the Premier League. Not a great deal happened this weekend. Apart from Chris Wood scoring a hat-trick against Wolves, which came out of nowhere. Also, can we appreciate the fact that Burnley are shielding the ball, the corner flag, at the end of the match? (laughs) It's it's just, that is shithousery at its finest. Burnley are 14th. They're 14th, man. They're not They're not really in any danger of getting relegated. I mean, I'm sorry, but looking at the Premier League, looking at the Premier League's bottom three, I find it hard to believe that Fulham will make up seven points on Brighton in the last three matches of the season. I don't see it happening. You say that, but... Wigan used to do this almost every single year. They used to go on a great <laughs> escape every single year under under Roberto Martinez. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And but Brighton, then again, Brighton did lose to already relegated Sheffield United yesterday. This is true. Very true. But then again, you'd think that, you know, those three teams that are tied on 36 points being Burnley, Southampton, and Newcastle, probably probably are safe? Or would you say there's still cause for uh, you know, a little bit of nervousness in those camps? Honestly, I, I don't know. I, in the interest of entertaining football, my heart says I would like at least one of those in the current bottom three, Fulham or West Brom, to, to make it out. 
but you just they're, they're too far adrift. Like West Brom were winning against Aston Villa today. They conceded in the last minute, so that's probably sent them down. Yeah, probably. Um, okay, fair enough. Then let's move to the top four, where we actually had a direct battle between Chelsea and West Ham. Given the game was pretty void of any noteworthy things, if you don't count Timo Werner's glaring miss, where even Thomas Tuchel is going, I can't believe he's done that. He's just a German if, Alvaro Morata at this point. Oh, he really is. I mean, he just costs so much money. and he just, The guy is... If he, I said it a few, a few weeks ago. He doesn't have very low confidence anymore. He has negative confidence. Like he, if he got a confidence booster, he would get boosted to having zero confidence in his own ability. That's how bad he's gone. Like that one goal probably just boosted him to zero confidence. And then he had zero confidence when he tried to put that one shot away. It's just, uh, it's just not gone well for him this first season. It's weird because, you know, they'll play against Real Madrid midweek and he'll be terrible again. Like, Probably. I like Timo Werner. I used to enjoy watching him play for he, it, RB Leipzig. And it's now a it's, shadow. And now it's just like you've got no... You talk about the player having no confidence in his own ability. I've got no confidence in the fact that he's going to have a good game. Yeah. And I can't... I can't understand because, yeah, okay, the Premier League is different to the Bundesliga, but Werner and Kai Havertz are very good players. So they should have no issue. Like Leipzig play in the Champions League now. You know, Leverkusen were playing European football last season. I don't know. It just... It was such a, a poor quality game. The the only noteworthy thing then I guess you could really make out of that is the fact that Chelsea managed to uh, overtake West Ham in the race for top four. And it kind of takes away from our dream that West Ham will have the Champions League anthem playing. But then again, you know, you can't really say they, you know, Chelsea don't deserve it because they've done or they've had a revival under Thomas Tuchel, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and it was interesting because you had those comments about the by Jorginho about Frank Lampard came out this week that made, just because he was a club legend, he'd skipped a few necessary steps in becoming like a top manager. And it was quite funny, actually, because someone then quote tweeted Jesus. it with quotes that Frank Lampard had made about Andre Villas-Boas when he was made Tottenham boss, Tottenham boss, Chelsea boss. And it was like, you know, he wasn't suited. He's not. He's not got the experience or anything to be a top-level manager. It's like, oh, God. The, the irony the, is just dripping with irony, that. Jesus. I, I think people saying, because it, it was weird, because it started off as, oh, it's uh, Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea up against a Champions League-bound West Ham. I was like, okay, let's just... Hold on a minute. Calm down. <laughs> Calm let's, down. Let's not blow our tops just quite yet. Because it wasn't certain. They were level on points with Chelsea. They were just on ahead by goal difference. And now three points behind. And I can't see Chelsea losing another game. 
No, nor can I, because let's be real. They made it to the the semifinal of the Champions League. You know, yeah, they didn't play great football, you know, flashy football or anything, but they played football well enough to make it that far in the competition. It might be boring to watch, but they do play effectively. So if we're being honest, Chelsea probably get that top four. I would like to retract my previous statement. Uh-huh. Having not checked the fixtures before I opened my big mouth. They've got Man City, Arsenal, Leicester, and Aston Villa. Also, for some reason, probably okay, th- because thanks, of- thanks for that heads up, because now I can just retract what I just said as well. I could ju- we might as well just ki- might as well just cut that shit. Next <laughs> time for the Champions League. Oh, hey. Well then, ah, before we open our big mouths again, what Let's is West, check West Ham's, Ham's fixtures? Exactly. Last thing on Chelsea's fixtures, right? The uh, the the FA Cup is supposed to be the last domestic fixture of the season. Yeah. And for some reason, probably COVID related, let's be honest. Chelsea play Aston Villa eight days after the cha- the FA Cup final. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's just gotta be depressing because what if Chelsea, they make the so... Champions League final? <laughs> They're gonna to have to push it back again. They'll still be they'll they'll be playing they'll be playing freaking Aston Villa three days before the Euros start. Oh my god! Right, let's have a look at West Ham's matches. West Ham have okay. To be yeah, fair, Burnley, Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom, and Southampton. Okay, maybe we spoke too soon. Maybe Chelsea will be. Getting into, or they'll be hitting squeaky bum time for those last few fixtures in comparison to West Ham. So there is still definitely all to play for. West Ham are not out of the running. But I think we also have to talk then about Tottenham and Liverpool because both of them are only two points off of West Ham. Yeah, but come on. That Liverpool team is so bad. Like, yeah, okay, they're only two points off of. Off of West no, Ham, one point but... off. They're one point off West Ham. One point off of West Ham. Sorry, they're four but... points off a of top four. Yeah, I mean, come on. The the way Liverpool conceded to Newcastle Saturday yeah. last time, they've got United next weekend. And yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to curse it. But but come on. <laughs> Liverpool should have lost that game. I'm not going to get into VAR. Actually, no, I am going to get into VAR. Let's go back <laughs> to Chelsea against West Ham a minute because yes, because yes. Balbuena was sent off for clearing a football. Granted, he he planted his foot on Ben Chilwell, but where are you supposed to? Are you supposed to clear the ball and then backflip to give Ben Chilwell the opportunity to get clear of you? Utter madness. Game is gone. The game's gone. The game's gone. The game is gone. Don't make gone. me get that video up again because I will. <laughs> that, no, that's what I, I was. I was saving you the effort. Oh, I was, just, I was recreating said video. Absolute shocker. I mean, are we really surprised at this point? Because we've made about 15 episodes this season alone that have had VAR as being one of the headline topics. No, do you know what? I was going to say that I, I was shocked that that was given. I'm not shocked that was given because Chris Kavanaugh was the referee. Yeah, there oh, you go. Chris Cavanaugh was a referee. Terrible referee. Sky Sports Premier League, their football, their uh, YouTube channel, 
put out three compilation videos in the last like three weeks, like part one, part two, and part three of the biggest VAR controversies in, in Premier League. And Chris Kavanagh is the most featured referee in all three of those videos. What does that tell you? What does that tell IFAB? What does that tell the FA? That one of their referees clearly can't do his fucking job properly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is what get, this this is what we do to generate views, guys. We have rants. That's how that's how that's how we do it these days. But no, I'm in complete agreement with you. If you're if this if there's one referee featuring in 75% of the VAR controversies in the past few matches, then that should be that should be ringing all bells that should be showing up all red flags that should be having all the sirens wailing. Everything should be going off at that point. Like the alarm should be going off simple as. I don't know. I'm not going to say it again. If you want to listen to probably about seven or eight episodes from this season alone, let alone last year's. I was about to say, guys, we've got a total of now this will be our 47th episode of season two of the 50 plus one football podcast. And I would be willing to wager that of 47 episodes, at least 10, if not 15 feature VAR. Shocking. But Lewis. Yes. Enough of the Premier League. We've had. Some fan interaction. I say fan interaction. Listener <laughs> interaction. We've had, or I've had some messages, and people have uh, my people have asked me because of all the let's call it outrage of the uh, European <laughs> Super League. There's That's a lot of English lovely. fans calling for the fifty plus one rule to be implemented in England. But very few people seem to know what it actually is. Well, seeing as our podcast is named after said rule, I think we can't really skirt around the topic any further. So yeah, basically, this is a rule that is implemented in Germany, which basically refers to the fact that of the club ownership, 51% or the majority has to be member-owned. Speaking, so what I'm basically saying is the fans own the majority of the stake in every football club. And that is a rule that is guaranteed for all clubs in Germany's top flight. So it effectively stops any, you know, shake takeovers from Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi or Dubai. It stops any Russian oligarchs taking over your club and basically giving a club a history after 2003. It basically, and it stops a bunch of Americans coming in and trying to make a closed league system when it literally is the dumbest thing ever in sport. Yeah. So Sorry, I had a, I, I had to have a few digs there no it's fine i think you're perfectly entitled to it. everyone else's you might as well jump on that bandwagon oh please don't mind but if i do i think it's important for people to know and this is where i think people are getting confused and where the lack of understanding comes into play it's the rules relate to voting rights not to ownership 
So there's basically two forms of, of this in Germany. So you've got a pure members club, which is like a local cricket team or like a local club or something where they, they have members who pay a membership fee and they vote in a committee and the committee will run the club in the best interests of, of the, of the members. Like it's one member, one vote and that's it. Yeah. So, so to, to basically to relativize my earlier statement, I did say it would, it was fan owned. What I meant by that was the voting rights. Sorry for the miscommunication there, because as Billy correctly said, it is definitely the voting rights, not the ownership. The ownership can still be said. Check that out. A mistake by the German. I, I've, I've, I hold my hands up. I hold my hands up. Chalk it down, people. It doesn't happen very often. It, it does happen sometimes. We're only human. We're only human. Uh, Anyways, yeah. So clubs like that would be Schalke, uh, FC Neuenberg, uh, Union Berlin, uh, full member clubs. Then you've got another one, which is, so how have they they've put this as a members club that has spun off its first 11 men's team into a separate limited company. Basically, yeah. So basically, you that, this is what the you have the FC Bayern München EV or EV, and you've got the FC Bayern München AG AG. The AG stands for Aktiengesellschaft, which which means publicly traded. And that's well, why well, when it's not, Bayern... it's not public, yeah. Well, sorry. not publicly traded. Sorry, but it's a it's a um it's a limited, an LLC. Yeah, I think. It's not. It's not public. It's a. It's a private limited company. Put it that mm. way. Uh, the PL. Well, yeah, yeah. It's not a publicly listed company. It's a private, a private limited oh, company or a joint stock company. That's the direct translation. But it's a. If, if we want to get specific on the uh, on on the particulars here, I think we're gonna have to get in a lawyer, which we <laughs> honestly can't afford. <laughs> Anyways, but, but that's that's why when Bayern Munich put out the statement about Hansi Flick's comments to the media about wanting to leave, that's why it was signed off Bayern Munich AG or yes, because it has so, to do with the starting with the with the men's first know. team. Yeah. yeah, it is only the men's first team that are part of the AG. So basically, the second one is an outside investor can buy the limited company outright, but the members must retain 50% of voting rights plus one vote. Hence, 50 plus 50 one. plus one. Which is why it's not the 51% rule. Yeah. Uh, so, so this, yeah, this is, yeah, this is teams like Bayern, Dortmund, Frankfurt, and believe it or not, Hamburg. Yeah. But there, <laughs> there is, and I'm not going to call it an exception. It's more of a, of, a, of a loophole to this rule. And it's why... It's why RB Leipzig are the most hated club in Germany. So the rule and all the, the rules and the legislation, they can't be owned outright. You can't have all the voting rights and you can't have a sponsor's name in their name, which is why RB doesn't stand for Red Bull. It stands for Rasen Bull Sport. Grass but, ball sport, but yeah. Yeah, so... The way Leipzig have got around this is whereas Borussia Dortmund have around like 300,000 voting members who each pay like 30 to 40 euros a year. 
<laughs> RB Leipzig have 17 who paid a 100 euro initial joining fee and 800 euros a year for voting rights. And all 17 of them <laughs> are Red Bull employees. So it's basically Red Bull have got all of the voting rights anyway, which is why fans just don't go there. You know, there's protests, there's boycotts. I think it's it calmed down now. It's calmed down a little bit, but this is also down to the fact that, you know, first of all, people are getting used to it. Second of all, there's just no getting around the fact that Leipzig's buildup or the structure of the club, it works. They get talent that no one that some some people don't get anywhere else. They have a structure where they basically have a feeder club in Ebe Salzburg from Austria who already get talent in from basically all of greater Europe. We're talking, you know, Eastern Europe, uh, the Balkan, yeah, basically all of Eastern Europe with the Balkans and uh, and and everything going on in there. But also, you know, some uh, some of the Italian clubs, obviously, nor the Scandinavian clubs as well. Basically, they get everything in that's not Central European, which is also why a certain Erling Haaland came up through there. Um, but the the model just works because Red Bull, like it or not, Red Bull is one of the most successful companies on this planet. Not only are they most successful companies in marketing, but they're also one of the most successful sports media companies ever. So they know exactly what they're doing. They know how they're going to build it up. The one thing, the one issue that they'll take or that many fans will take with this is the fact that Red Bull at the end of the day are doing this all for a profit. So they're doing this for, they're doing this for a profit. By and large, success in football means a profit. But the fact of the matter is it's not about the football in that sense. And that's what also rubs some people the wrong way. But at the end of the day, you have to, there's no getting around the fact that in a few short years, Abbey Leipzig has accomplished more than many clubs in Germany, which is also a big issue of contention with many football fans because everyone say they buy their success. But, you know, at the end of the day, I personally, at the beginning, I didn't like it. But now I'm just coming to see, you know, Borussia Dortmund have been dicking around for the better part of five years and they haven't they've got nothing to show for it. People still say, oh, it's their Klassica, but we already had a couple of episodes ago where we said it's more or less the new Klassica to have Bayern versus Leipzig. That's because Leipzig are now accomplishing more. This is the second season in a row that they're finishing over Dortmund. And this is where I think the 50, as, as much as I like the idea, I like the concept of having... 50% plus one voting rights in the hands of members who have the club's best interest at heart or should do yeah. anyway. I think a lot of the, certainly the American owners will look at the way that Red Bull have done it with Leipzig and go, okay, we'll just do it that way. Because FSG, like Fenway Sports Group that own Liverpool, the Glazers, Cronkite Arsenal, they'll all go, okay, well, We'll, we'll turn the first team into a into a listed company, into a limited company, and we'll just sell fifteen to twenty membership rights to us members of the board, and we just get to continue running it the way we do now. So I people, that's a sad thing. Yeah, people that think that you know the there's going to be some magic moment where Boris Johnson goes, oh, okay, well, uh, all football clubs in England must be owned 50 plus one and bangs a gavel and 
everyone, the people that think they're going to magically get an email that says, become a member today and you will have a say in your football club. It's just not going to happen because of the way that Leipzig have done it. It just, it just won't happen. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with that. And I think that's a sad thing because at the end of the day, Leipzig, I think, are still... Or I'd still I'd rather have a Leipzig than... Um, than the situation with FSG at Liverpool, Glazers at United, uh, Kroenke at Arsenal. I'd rather have Leipzig and Red Bull than those than that scenario because at the end of the day, the way Leipzig do it, it garners results. The way those international owners do it, they throw more money at the club than is necessary and ultimately it doesn't buy them anything. Arsenal are freaking 10th, man. What they were doing in a Super League beats me because they are nowhere near getting to European football in the next few seasons. Tottenham, barely scratching at the Europa League door, even though they have maybe the best striker in England. Definitely, probably the best striker in the Premier League. And they're still only scratching at Europa League. That is sad. It's just no, there's no reason for there's just no reason for the money being spent at those clubs to be spent when you have that little or that few those few results coming in it's just it just doesn't make sense and it obviously shows that it's not a viable or sustainable business option one last thing before we finish i am not a fan of RB Leipzig's name. Now that I've discovered they used to be called SSV Markranstadt, which is so much better. Anyway, I mean, I mean, the badge leaves much to be desired. It's just a triangle with the letter M in it. That's not as good. Right. But yeah, so if, if I, I, I know not thousands of people listen to this, but if you have topics you want us to cover that you, if you don't know something, if you want something answered, if you want our opinions on something, God knows why. Um, but great, Bill, you're making uh, some real, real advertisement here for the for the podcast right now. I can't lie Solid to the good work. people. But you know, DM us on Instagram and Twitter, uh, message us on Facebook as well, and don't forget, we also have an email address, which is. At sportsnews at gmail.com. All one word and all one low, all lowercase. Oh, I love that little bit. But I think that's also a perfect segue into uh, our usual blurb, which is, of course, to not forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment to all of the AT Sports accounts on social media, and that is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then also head over to Google Podcasts, Spotify, or our RSS feed to check out the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. Take a look at all of our previous episodes and uh, some of the rents we do reference in uh, our episodes. You can always find those on there. And uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game. <laughs>